Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins? fans, and welcome into the Friday, August the 16th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we're going to cross swords with the host of Locked On Buccaneers and get an opponent's view on the game tonight. Biggest test for the Dolphins, the future of Jameis Winston, and a whole lot more from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, plus your questions on the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. You can find the show at LockedOnFins, as well as our website, LockedOnDolphins.com, for your daily written content. And the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast, and Locked On NFL Podcast, which has been rebranded with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and new co-host Brian Peacock. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. We're going to end this show today with some of your Twitter questions on the mailbag from Tuesday, I believe it was. And we'll be back on the airwaves tonight to recap this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But before kickoff, get over to LockedOnDolphins.com and check out the preview article up there, as well as yesterday's preview podcast. But for now, let's go ahead and jump into my interview with the host of Locked On Buccaneers, James Yarko. And joining me now is the host of the Locked On Buccaneers podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. He is James Yarko. James, what's going on, man? Oh, you know, loving the life, living the dream. It's football season, so all things are phenomenal. I will say that the being a host of a daily podcast really makes the offseason go by a lot faster. But even still, just having football games on our slate, having these crossover podcasts on our slate is so welcoming this time of year. And I don't know if, if it kind of... Helps these exhibition games for you, but man, I can't wait for football on Friday night. Oh yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it's it just makes it that much closer to football season because it seems like football season goes by so fast. You get to Monday and, and you're you're thinking about what happened the game before, and then all of a sudden you're in you're in practice mode, and then you know the weekend's there and it's, it's a new game and it just flies by. So these preseason games seem to really make it make it go a lot faster to get to the the regular season. So, yeah, it's um yeah, it's exciting to have football back and and there's a lot of fun things to watch during this time of year. I know preseason games don't quote unquote count, but they do count for something and and if you watch them the right way, it makes it makes it very entertaining and, and very interesting. Especially for this year's Dolphins team who are in earnest playing for 2020 and beyond because we have a new coaching staff because we have a roster almost completely turned over. But we go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now and get into this actual podcast here with you, James. And you guys are going through a regime change as well, bringing back a very accomplished head coach, a very accomplished play caller and quarterback guru, Bruce Arians. You've got to be excited about that. I want to know what he's done to change the culture, how things have gone in that transition from the Dirt Cutter era, which I assume you don't have many nice things to say about. Just tell us, how's it going with Bruce Arians so far? Uh, it, it, it couldn't be any better. It really couldn't. And and David and I started 
the hashtag BA to the Bay hashtag in November 17. So, <laughs> you know, we've we've been on this train for a long time. Um, it, it's exciting to see. And, and I don't hold any ill will towards a nice enough guy. He just, you know, like Lovey Smith before him was too reliant on guys that were stubborn and not getting the job done. The Buccaneers are way too talented of a team to play as poorly as they did. You know, when you look at the roster top to bottom, I mean, this is an incredibly talented football team and Bruce Arians is bringing out the best in that. You know, he's, he's not going to put up with any nonsense. He's not going to put up with any, uh, any BS. And, And that's why you saw guys, leave you know surprising names the left because bruce wouldn't have in it he's here as he said time and time again um he's here to win he's not here to rebuild he expects the postseason this year uh so they're they're not wasting any time at all and and bruce is just such a, a breath of fresh air to have the first competent coach since john gruden essentially leading the helm and the assistance that he has brought in and just the, the amount of football knowledge that he has with the largest coaching staff in the NFL is next level. So everything that he's doing is, is really exciting right now. I think your Buccaneers are a great example of something that a lot of casual fans might overlook in that you can have all this talent and Jimmy's and Joe's will certainly take you as far as you want to go. But the X's and O's at this level, at the National Football League level, is so important because you go back to 2017, the hard knocks year, the Bucks had so much expectations. And I just never bought in because, like you mentioned, the coaching staff I never thought was up to st- was up to snuff. And now it seems like they are. And a big reason for the excitement that year was the growth of, I think it was third-year quarterback Jameis Winston now coming into his fifth season where do you fall on this, James? What does he have to do this year to earn a new contract? Because it's kind of a do-or-die year for Jameis Winston. Yeah, I don't think he needs to go out and set the world on fire. What he needs to go out and do is show that there is a growth. There is a maturation process and that he's not he's not forcing bad decisions because he feels like he has to win these games single-handedly. And that's another thing that, that Bruce Arians has come out and said is, Jameis doesn't need to be Superman. You know, this is a guy that put the other 52 guys on his shoulders and and would force things because he felt that was the only way they could win games. You couldn't trust the defense. You couldn't trust the run game. And and so Jameis felt like he had to do it all. So if he takes a step back a little bit and realizes that there is talent around him, he can trust his teammates. This isn't going to be a Mike Smith defense, and, and he can count on them to hold a three-point lead with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're going to see those numbers improve anyway. You know, Jameis is is knocked for having an interception problem, but, you know, it, it's funny if you go back and, and you look at how many of those passes were deflected, how many of those passes came on fourth down in the fourth quarter on a a must score drive and, and he was forced to throw the ball anyway you know it's he's one of those quarterbacks that's so polarizing because people won't change their stance on him no matter what if you believed in Jameis you're always going to believe in Jameis if you were a Jameis hater you're always going to find a reason to hate on Jameis that's just how people are so when you take a look at at somebody like Winston and 
and he can make those plays like we saw against the Chicago Bears where he broke three different tackles and chucked the ball 45 yards in the air and hit Mike Evans at midfield. You know, he has those, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, yes, moments. <laughs> but he also has those, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no <laughs> moments. So they need to get rid of the latter more so than the former because like like Brett Favre and, and Ben Roethlisberger, he can make magic happen when he's going off script, but that's also when disaster will strike. So Bruce Arians is so good at finding what it is about a quarterback that makes them tick and reining it in to maximize their potential. He's done it at every stop he's been to. So uh, a lot of people have faith that, that Bruce Arians is the guy to do that for Jameis. So for him to get that second contract, it's not going to take – you know, the, the stars and the moon, it's going to take just showing that he can lead this team and he has grown and he has matured to the point that they can trust him to lead this football team. I've got James Yarko here of the Locked On Buccaneers podcast. We're talking Dolphins and Bucks tonight in Tampa Bay at 7.30 Eastern time. We're going to come back on the second segment of this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast and ask James about Ndamukong Sue, ask if he's going to continue to beat up this Dolphins offensive line like he did in practice, how much will the starters play, and where are the areas the Dolphins can test their positional strength and where they're weakest at on this roster. All that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast on a crossover Friday edition of the show. Okay, picking things back up here in segment number two, I've got James Yarko of the Locked On Buccaneers podcast. You guys can find him daily along with his co-host David Harrison on the daily Locked On Buccaneers podcast. But I want to ask you here, James, about a former Miami Dolphin who has been given the Dolphins issues on the interior offensive line in practice. One of the biggest areas of concern for this Dolphins roster is that offensive line, especially on the interior so Ndamukong Sue kind of surprised the National Football League landscape when he signed with the Buccaneers because a lot of people thought he was going to go sign with one of the big time, you know, right now legitimate Super Bowl contenders. And the Bucs, you know, maybe some folks think they are that. A lot of folks probably think they aren't that. But I want to get your feelings on how Ndamukong Sue has fit in both from a production standpoint and from a character and locker room fit standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I was, uh, I, I was not a Sue guy. But kind of seeing the way he operates, seeing the way he he leads and the way he handles himself thus far, I like what he's doing. And and I'm I'm excited to have him on this roster, even if it is just for one year. Who knows what next year will bring? Maybe if this is a team that, you know, squeaks into the wild card and, and they show that uptick, maybe Sue comes back for next year. But one of the big draws for him was that he's always wanted to play for Todd Bowles. So with Todd Bowles being the defensive coordinator, there was that opportunity and, and just beyond excited to see what he's going to do lining up next to Vita Vea all year. Um, you know, that's going to be just absolutely outstanding because I mean, what are offensive lines going to do when you have Sue and Vea both coming at you? It, it's, it's going to wreak havoc. So um, as, as far as, as the locker room guy and, and, and everything, you know, I haven't heard a bad thing about him yet. Yeah. And, and he's one of those guys that, you know, he's listed as one of the dirtiest players in the NFL and, and, you know, has that reputation, but never really heard too many teammates complain about, you know, how Sue is or as a teammate or, or as a player. Um, 
So yeah, it, it was it was a little bit surprising that that Sue wanted to come play for Tampa because of their the fact that they're coming off of back to back five and eleven seasons. But when you when you hear about kind of what he what he believes in as far as Todd Bowles and and the coaching staff and the leadership that they've assembled in Tampa, it really wasn't wasn't too much of a surprise at all once once you started to see his side of it. Um, and let's be honest, if, if the Rams didn't need to free up some money, he would still be in Los Angeles. He was strictly a, a cap casualty over there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, you know, it just kind of it, it all came together at the, at the right time. And that's kind of true of what his time was in Miami, too. He was an effective player here. He just he didn't fit into the long term plans from a financial standpoint. And I mean, that contract originally was never a good thing. It's not good when you pay a defensive tackle quarterback money unless he's Aaron Donald and Indominus Sue is not Aaron Donald. But Indominus right. Sue is a starter for the Buccaneers. So is Vita Vea when he's healthy. We sounds like he will be down for the game on Friday night. But I want to get your opinion here. How much should we expect to see the Buccaneers starters in this game? Uh, I would say maybe the first two, possibly three drives. The way they handled Friday uh, against the Steelers, you know, the the starting offense was out on the field for one drive. Twelve plays resulted in a touchdown. They were all yanked. Um, the defense, however, majority of the starters stayed out there for two drives. Some of them stayed out even longer than that. So I, I expect to see Devin White stay out there just a little bit longer. Again, he's he's the quarterback of the defense as a rookie. He's the one calling the plays. He needs to get that practice in there. He needs to be able to relay the information to his teammates. His teammates need to get used to hearing it come from him. So the more they can practice that, the better. Uh, there's still quite a, a battle going on at, at receiver and running back and corner and I expect to see quite a bit out of out of Sean Murphy bunting. You know, Bruce was pretty disappointed with his performance against Pittsburgh because Sean Murphy bunting again, another rookie. He makes play after play after play after play in practice. But in the game, he didn't show up. And that's a little concerning. Again, I'm not one to overreact to, to preseason games. But when you have a guy that that's balling out in practice, but then the big lights come on and he kind of shrinks, it does give you a little reason for concern. So I expect to see a lot of him out there. Not sure if he's going to emerge as a starter or not. Uh, right now, Vernon Hargraves and Carlton Davis have those starting corner positions locked up. But I would expect to see the majority of the starters for at least the first quarter. Um, maybe a little bit less with some of these bigger names. Chris Godwin left practice for a little while uh, the other day, was able to come back and, and continue to perform well. But when you have guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Jameis and O.J. Howard and Sue, um, you know, you you know what they bring to the table. They don't need to stay out there for any sort of extended period of time and, and risk some sort of fluke, insane injury that could derail an entire season. He is James Yarko, the host of the Locked On Buccaneers podcast here on the Friday crossover edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And James, you mentioned the cornerback position, and I find that to be one of the more fascinating groups with the Buccaneers because you have so many first or second year players in that group, and that provides us perhaps a good segue into one of these next two questions. And we'll start with the the positive as far as you're concerned. I want to know about your deepest position and your best position on this roster to kind of gauge where the Dolphins can maybe best evaluate 
evaluate themselves against a top-level unit in this game on Friday? It's the pass catchers, without a doubt. And I'll lump the receivers and the tight ends together because I would I would argue that you cannot find a better tight end duo in the NFL than what the Buccaneers have in O.J. Howard and Cam Brait. I'd agree with and that. And then, yeah, and, and then you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You have uh, a former first-round pick in Brashard Perryman. You have Justin Watson, who's starting to emerge. You have, um, and now for the life of me, I can't remember his first name, but they have a, a young receiver in Schnell who really came on at the end of the game against Pittsburgh. You had some incredible catches, but you know the the offensive weapons for the Buccaneers are just next level. So you know when you when you look at at you know. Evans and Godwin and Brait and OJ, which take preseason depth charts for what you will, are all listed as starters. You know, on the depth chart, they have two starting tight ends in this offense. So it's it's mismatches across the field. So that is that is for sure the the deepest and the most talented uh, for the Buccaneers as far as as position groups. And that's really going to provide the Dolphins with a good chance to evaluate one of their weakest and thinner positions at the cornerback spot because once you get beyond Xavier Howard and Minka Fitzpatrick and maybe even Eric Rowe, it really falls off for this Dolphins secondary. So that brings us into our last question for you here, James. The thinnest and weakest position. Where can the Dolphins maybe have some success in this game on Friday night? Yeah, I'm going to have to, at the moment, continue to say the secondary. Uh, and again, I'm, I know I'm lumping two position groups together, but you have Hargraves and Davis starting at corner, and then you have rookies in Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean, which really haven't shown much as far as against another opponent. Both have had flashes. As I mentioned, Sean Murphy Bunting is, has been phenomenal in practice. Jamel Dean has, has had his moments in practice. Um, but you have a, a mash unit for, for safeties, Rookie Mike Edwards has has missed practice the last couple of days with an injury. Justin Evans hasn't practiced since last year. They just signed. Um, oh gosh, I just completely forgot his name. Uh, they just signed uh, former Bronco safety. Oh sure, uh, Darian Stewart. Yeah, Darian Stewart. Stewart. Yeah, Damian Stewart. They just signed him, uh, and and they brought in another safety who used to play for the Texans and and Raiders, uh, Gilchrist just to be able to to practice you know they didn't have enough healthy safeties for even practice so you know that's that's definitely a cause for concern the front seven looks night and day better than than last year and and we saw that against pittsburgh starters but if the bucks are going to lose games it's going to be because of the secondary right now all of them need to step up and uh you know Friday night will be another test of that. And that's another interesting dichotomy there with the receivers versus the secondary because Miami's offense, the best group there is the Dolphins receivers as well. So check out the high-flying passing attack of both these teams on Friday night. One more question, and I want a quick answer from you here, James. Give me a record prediction for the Buccaneers this year, and if they go to the playoffs, when do they get bounced? 9-7, and seven, miss out on the wild card because of some sort of fluky tiebreaker. I love it. I love it. I'm glad to hear some optimism. I wish I could give that back to you guys as Dolphins fans, but you know, this is a rebuilding year. But this podcast with James is going to come to an end right here. It was a blast. Thanks for joining me, man. You guys can hear him on the Lockdown Buccaneers podcast every single day. But for now, James, tell the folks where they can find you. 
Yeah, you can find everything that I'm doing for BucksNation.com and on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. And off he goes with another thank you to James Yarko of the Locked On Buccaneers podcast. And support for today's Locked On Dolphins podcast comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off at manscaped.com when using promo code LOCKEDON. We're going to jump back into the mailbag and finish up this Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. We are going to have a podcast for you guys sometime late tonight, possibly in the early morning hours for Saturday, to recap this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the Dolphins go into their second game under head coach Brian Flores. Again, we have a preview edition on my own on yesterday's edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as well as the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com. But we close out this week's worth of podcast until the game recap tomorrow with your Twitter questions. You guys know the drill. I put the call out on Twitter. You respond and get an answer as well as a Twitter shout out here on the podcast. And this one comes in from Raced, who has given me exemption to say his Twitter handle because it's way too confusing. How does Preston Williams rank from a downfield blocking perspective? Coach Flores has really praised him for that as well as his work on special teams, but you might get some of that lip service from a coach, especially when it comes to a player who's really been impressing in his actual job as a receiver. They want to build up those smaller details of his game, but I think it's been fine. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of options to really see him do it because receivers blocking in practice just doesn't really happen a whole heck of a lot, especially when they're not in full pads and not fully live at those practices. But I think that in general, he does just fine in that regard. Next question here comes in from A. Hendricks at A. Hendricks IV, as in the Roman numeral four. Seems like injuries are down when compared to Gaze's camps. Any thoughts on this? Perhaps reason why are we just lucky this year? I do think that one, they are a better conditioned team in better shape. And that's been a really focal point of this Flores regime. And that certainly helps. The sports science program was brought here back when I think Mike Tannenbaum joined on with the Dolphins, so they still do have that. But I think just the mentality of competing and going hard in practice and keeping themselves in condition and in shape really helps as far as the soft tissue stuff. And it just kind of keeps them going full speed, which you do get more injuries when you pull back and don't go full speed. So I would say those are contributing factors to why this team has been luckier and it has been luck as far as injuries go through training camp. Knock on wood for that one. Next question here from Anthony Meester. He's at Meester Tweets on Twitter. You go to a deli, you order a sandwich. What is the go-to sandwich? BLT, turkey, hot dog? And Anthony lists his here. He would go with a chicken cutlet. For me, it's all about the Italian turkey, pepperoni, salami, ham. Give me all those meats with the white cheese and some lettuce and whatever the kind of dressing they're going to throw on there. Give me all that stuff. I love Italian sandwiches pretty much anywhere that I go. Next question here comes in from Juice at Airx Alpha 1721. Are stretch runs in 12 and 21 personnel going to be a staple in this scheme? I don't think they're really going to have staples as far as the run game goes in general. Eric Studsville is very multiple and very versatile across what he does as far as the offensive lines 
scheme, but I think there's going to be lots of zone involved, lots of lead, lots of power, lots of ISO. So I wouldn't say it's going to be a stretch or a staple rather, but you will see definitely some stretch runs this year. Next question from Anthony Lopez. He's at Anthony Rock with two Ks. Any chance we see Preston Williams run with Fitz and the ones against the Bucks on Friday? I think there's certainly a good chance that he will, although I think they want to continue to kind of manage his manage the way he approaches the game as far as being humble and staying staying with that workman-like mentality. But then again, at the same time, if Fitzpatrick is going to start the season, you better get Williams out there because he's probably going to be a starter once the season gets here. So I think there's a good chance you'll see it by the end of the preseason, if not by Friday night against the Buccaneers. This next one comes in from Leighton Stoffer at Stoffer underscore Leighton. After studying last week's game, what do you hope to see improve against Tampa Bay? It's got to be the offensive line, right? We got to see improved play from every faction of the offensive line. Is Laramie Tunzel going to be out there? How much can he help them in terms of having the protection slide away from him? Because as we know, he can block on an island. I want to see Michael Dieter do better in his pass sets. Same goes for Shaq Calhoun. I want to see Jesse Davis continue to build upon his success last game and just see Daniel Kilgore stay healthy and do things that he does and give me some developmental prospects like Isaiah Prince and have him continue to play good when the game when the big lights come on for a game day so offensive line all the way okay we're getting short on time so I'll do one last question here and this one comes in from Lance Ettinger he's at Lance of the Lane on Twitter why in your opinion do we have trouble scouting choosing and picking up coaching Picking up and coaching offensive linemen, other teams make success of no names, yet we continually struggle year after year. Well, it certainly is an interesting dichotomy because on one hand, every single year I see the fan base say, well, I'm okay with whoever we take in the first round as long as it's not an offensive guard, but then when the season gets here, we complain about our guards all season long. So the investment that's not short on investment because they've taken guys high in the first round from Laramie Tunzel, Jawan James, Mike Pouncey. They have drafted guys in the first, second, third, fourth round, and they just haven't panned out. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is the coaching and the teaching of that coaching staff. You hope that's what you get with the Guglielmo. He came in in 2017, took over for the crackhead, Chris Furster, and made immediate immediate improvements on the offensive line. So I think the ability to coach these guys and develop them within the scheme and a big reason you don't have that is because there's been so much coaching overchange and overhaul here. If you get the same consistent staff, you can begin to develop and install the same techniques and fundamentals and teaching tactics, and then you can have that continuity, you can have that consistency, and guys can just kind of fall in line, and you don't have to draft guys to plug them in right away and start them, and you can actually develop guys on the offensive line. Okay, that's going to be my time on this podcast. Again, I have to remind you guys, Saturday morning, late Friday night, we're going to have a game recap and an article up on LockedOnDolphins.com talking all things Dolphins Bucks. But as for this edition of the Lod Pod, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you again early tomorrow morning for another edition, a recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Go to